let me tell you of the Two Guys Talking Terminator podcast. Historians from England will say that I am a liar, but history is written by those who have hanged heroes. Join the noble duo as they dialogue the weekly adventures of Sarah and John Connor as they fight to avoid the inevitable Judgment Day and defeat the evil hordes from Skynet. It's legend, it's random, and it's only from Two Guys Talking. Two Guys Talking is an internet radio show providing you with entertainment, a sharing of viewpoints, and fun. Join us as we venture into the world of entertainment and discuss a variety of topics, from television shows, DVDs, feature films, and more. This week, Two Guys Talking... Suit of Iron, an actor who he himself has risen like a phoenix in the last few years. Special effects galore and more, all in this review of Iron Man, a Two Guys Talking review on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. I'm Tony Lovasco, your other host. I'm Kip Lewis, visiting host. Kip Lewis, of course, is from the Two Guys Talking television review blogs. He's one of our Caption Hunt columnists. Thanks for joining us again, Kip. Kip is also a giant comic book fan and helped us out with the Incredible Hulk review recently. We've asked him on board again to help us with this one. Iron Man, directed by journeyman and genius of special effects usage, Jonathan Favreau. Uh, As soon as I heard his name was associated with this, I was instantly impressed because of his work in Zathura. Inside of Zathura, they provided what is absolute seamless effects of what is CGI effects and practical effects. And not so strangely... In this film, you have the exact same kind of relationship. A perfect marriage between practical effects provided by Stan Winston himself, the man who sadly passed a couple of weeks ago. We've got some tribute stuff for him on our website at twoguystalking.com. Make sure you come and check that out, along with all the comments from people that really did adore a master who is now gone. And so let's jump quickly into the Two Guys Talking Iron Man Review. Talking the hype. There was a lot of hype about this movie. I think probably because you have to remember Tony Stark has no superpowers whatsoever. Everything he relies on is just absolute innate intelligence. And then there's some more stuff that comes after that because he invents this great suit. And more than that, he's less than a regular human. He has a malfunctioning heart. So it's not only does he not have any superpowers, but he's basically handicapped. Right. Well, and not only that, he's also an alcoholic, a drug user, a womanizer, and a son of a bitch. All rolled into one. All right. Perfecto. (laughs) So what a great superhero this guy would make, right? Let's make a feature film out of it. Let's give him some weapons. Let's get Robert Downey Jr. to play him. That's perfect. In any case, this was an outstanding feature film, and I really, really enjoyed it. The hype that was created for this movie started eons ago when they were going through a listing of heroes of who would be the next feature film. Would it be... They were running with Iron Fist, Ant-Man. Ant-Man? Yeah, Yeah. they're still even talking about it. It'd be a really short, small movie. We just put a cape on Gandhi. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, just a made-for-TV movie, not for a big screen. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes to Guam. (laughs) There's a litany of movies that were considered, and you you just have to put Iron Man up on top there. Well, he's one of the more obscure heroes. He's the one that doesn't have the superpowers. Yes, he's the alcoholic, drug-using, womanizer son of a bitch. Yes, agreed. 
but it's Iron Man. The animated series in the 60s that I think everybody has seen at least one episode in, in syndication on is a true factoid of why an Iron Man movie could work, and it really, really did. To the tune of... Two guys talking Iron Man! Over the last two months, as we review this, it's just the end of June now. Over the last two months, it's collected more than half a billion dollars. That's a billion with a B. Half a billion dollars. Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly the statistics, but I seem to remember... I seem to remember the space shuttle costing like, ooh, what, like $75 billion? So, like, in, in contrast, it's a awful lot of a percentage of a space shuttle here. <laughs> just, it, it, it is absolutely amazing. And the fact of the matter is that we just finished reviewing the Incredible Hulk film as well. That one, over the span of two weeks, over $75 million. However, the first week it was $56 million. The second week it was $22 million. So it's cut more than 50% well, in just two weeks. And Iron Man beat that on what is its first opening weekend. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's what's so huge. I mean, granted, they they promoted this big time. They did not promote Hulk that much. Agreed. I remember seeing the first teaser for this and this, what, the Super Bowl, I guess, last year. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, a year and a half ago now almost. Yeah. So not bad for a movie that they said one of the worst, if you remember the commercial at the Super Bowl, it was put down as one of the five, if I remember right, it was one of the five worst commercials of the Super Bowl because nobody knew what it was about. Yeah. What? It was to- they just like no, what I, I is this? I, I, I don't disagree with it. I mean, granted, they don't show Iron Man until what is the last second you see a glimpse of him and then it throws up the Iron Man logo. But still, I, if you've ever heard of Iron Man, well, that's it. Most people I, I, outside I of comic book yeah. readers right? don't know who Iron Man is, I, I, and I really do I believe that. I didn't know. That. I, I okay. do believe that, and that's why that, that's why when you think you know who is going to be the linchpin for the starter of the Avengers film, well, yeah, it's going to be Iron Man. They have made Iron Man the linchpin movie. There's no doubt about it. it. Was the first Marvel, real Marvel movie that was released that Marvel puts out as a studio. Then they had the Hulk, which is the second one, and then there's going to be a series of others that come out over this year and then next year, uh, which will all be prelude to the Avengers film, which is going to group them all together and be easily one of the most expensive movies ever, just based on what is the casting cost. I- I'm glad that they've picked that. I'm glad. I'm glad that they've picked Robert Downey Jr. to be the man. Iron Man that is going to be the linchpin of what is the Marvel Universe for the very foreseeable future. Two guys talking Iron Man! The good. There are a lot of good things in this film. The first I'd like to start with is one that Tony brought up, and it's the puzzle completed factor. One of the things that really worked for this movie was how every little piece, every scene, every major event was all important. It wasn't like a lot of action and superhero movies in general where you have, here's some plot, and then, oh, we need a big ex- you know scene for the trailer, and so let's have a fight, and then some explosions, and then, all right, some more plot now. Every single thing, including what were the big fights, advanced the story, and I think that really made a big difference. I, I likened it to pieces in a puzzle in that you might not know what the big picture is till the end, or maybe you do, but it doesn't really matter because nothing seems out of place. Yeah, yeah. And uh, really, I, I think this was what was Batman Begins for the Marvel, Marvel Universe. It was the creation of something that was fantastic but believable, and the reason it was believable is because you saw how everything fit together. Yeah. All the characters were doing things for a yeah. reason as opposed to because it looks cool. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. In fact, I will throw in another point there that speaks directly to that, and that's the casual fan capture factor. The fact of the matter is that Tony is not a huge comic book fan like Kip and I are. 
that you as the total occasional comic book knowledge guy can watch this movie and be as impressed as you are by this film. It speaks to the total uh, filmmaking experience of the movie. Oh, absolutely. It's been well over a decade since I've picked up an Iron Man comic or watched a cartoon or any of that. And when I came out of the theater, I thought, I want to dig up those old comic books. I want to go rent the old TV show episodes, whatever. Because I, I remember this as being quality from a long time ago. Yeah. Which is not an experience I've gotten with really many of the other recent comic book movies at all. While they were entertaining, they weren't anything beyond themselves. And for some reason, there's something about the Iron Man story and how it was presented here that, that really fits as, as a generally good action movie. It's something that you could see a person with this kind of intelligence, with certain circumstances, that this is at least somewhat plausible. It wasn't a magic potion or a gamma ray. It was, guy builds a suit. That's it. That's about, you know, it's as simple as you get. And because it was believable, even if you're not a comic book fan at all, you can like it just in the general action-adventure movie sense. Special effects. Again, we mentioned that Stan Winston was one of the master crafters of this movie. Uh, again, this uh, using Stan Winston tied together with what is great acting, with what is a solid story, with what is a perfect superhero, along with what are seamless digital and practical special effects. It's hard to make a movie fail when you have all of those things clustered together that work again like a puzzle piece. I mean, I look forward to the day when they uh, put out the disc and it's got the features of what was CG and what wasn't CG. I just received my most recent Cinemax, uh, my most recent Cinemax magazine, which is an outstanding magazine. All they do is they talk about the special effects of, and then you insert the film. And it just so happens that last week I got my... Iron Man Cinefix. And inside of that Cinefix, they explain a lot of what happened inside of the digital realm. The sample I would use is all of the scenes where he's test flighting the suit inside of where the cars are, there was never a suit on him. That was just Robert flying around and they put either put on just the boots or they put on the suit. But there never was a suit in that scene. And I kind of liken that to the uh, Stormtroopers inside of what was to uh, Star Wars inside of the Attack of the Clones movie where there never were any of those original Stormtroopers. They were all fake. They were all CGI. There was never a suit made ever that was that new contemporary first generation Stormtrooper outfit. They were all CGI. Well, and I think the the real difference here is that in the Star Wars, I could tell that they were fake. Not like, oh my god, it's obvious, but yeah, it's, something's a little not right. Uh, in some With of those battle though, scenes, you would have never known. In, uh, in some I, of them, some, I, true. Uh, I, the vast majority of them. Well, the vast majority of what, them. What, what gets me about this has always been that there are scenes where he has a physical mask, and he removes a physical mask. Now, granted, they're the minority. I'm sure, like you said, most of it is motion capture, etc. But there is actual parts where they build props. Yes. And that is so totally missing for what is modern-day films that I'm glad that we're seeing that again. Appropriate humor. This is one of the landmark things inside of movies that so many movies make a mistake on. I don't want to see cutesy humor. I don't need cutesy sidekick. I don't need, boy, that's really funny to the comic book geeks. I don't need any of that. I want appropriate, normal, common, everyday humor that makes you, you know, giggle and then you move on with the rest of the story. It needs to be salt and not the main entree. And again, so many movies have gotten that wrong that I, it's hard to explain how, how it doesn't work. Yeah, I recently was reading something. They were talking about that comedy done right is comedy when the characters are being funny without them intentionally being funny. It's just that it's a result of, it's like 
they're not trying to make a joke. It's just it comes naturally and is part of the storyline or naturally is part of the thing where, to be honest, it's like what we do in real life. When we do, you know, things are funny, you laugh at it, but we're not trying to be professional comedians. And you're, and you're not looking off to an invisible camera. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you mention... Uh, uh, Unless you're meant great- off. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned great comedians because again just this last in this last couple of weeks we've lost George Carlin another giant staple in the land of comedy and I think he's a perfect sample we take someone like George Carlin and then we have someone like Will Ferrell and I think that you can you really can put what is a spectrum there you might like Will Ferrell movies fine but I'm talking about the humor that's generated in just about every single Will Ferrell film that's what I don't want to see inside of Iron Man and we didn't we were able to see some really good, quick inserts that were put in, and they were funny because they were funny, not because, um, how about some comedy here? Right. For example, we didn't see Iron Man get kicked in the groin. Yeah, they they could have the done on, that. With they the suit done on that, that breaks the guy's foot. Right. Exactly. Right. They could have right. done it. They didn't. Yes. I'm glad they did Or jokes about, how does he go to the bathroom in the armor? Uh, good point. Where's classic. the catheter? Where's the catheter? <laughs> how does the, where's the colostomy bag inside the Iron Man suit? <laughs> yeah. Bloodlessness. Now, now, usually, Tony, I would be the first to complain about there being what is amazingly no blood in this movie. For a movie that is full of, there's got to be thousands and thousands of rounds discharged in this movie. There's ridiculously little blood. But guess what? It's a positive in the list for this movie because they didn't need it. Right, you don't notice This did not it. need to be the last 15 minutes of Rambo, which if you haven't seen that, <laughs> it's pretty much a meat grinder with uh, uh, you know buckets of blood and a machine gun. That, that's basically what the the end of the 15, uh, the 15 minutes end of Rambo is, and that was not this movie. It very easily could have been, but it wasn't. And yet it does it without being going to the other extreme of being a kid's movie. Right. You know, it's not like the A-team humor, you know, the A-team where they can run off thousands of rounds per... Hit nobody's hit, there's nobody's no damage hit. to anybody, and the car drives off, and everybody's just, boy, right. wiping off their forehead as they <laughs> drive out. Yeah, 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 agreed. The lack of love story. The money penny effect. This is another great one that Tony brought up when we were talking about our dialogue. And you're absolutely right. It was so great to have those cute, almost kissy face moments and then realize that there was something way more important. And the answer is the audience's attention span doesn't need it. You don't. They didn't need it. They didn't insert it. They hinted at it. And I love the I love the hinting and the almost kiss. I like that. But that's all that was needed. You didn't need anything else. Well, and more than that, it also plays to what is the realism of it, which is, in real life... Men don't kiss chicks, as Well, especially ones that... (laughs) We can insert the sound of Mike talking for the remainder of the show when his rotting corpses effect uh, line up against the microphone. But no blood. Well, again, this is, you know, you've got what is the employer-employee relationship. You have the he's much older. You've You've got lots of dynamics here. And again, in real life... There might be the flirting. There might be the almost moment. More likely than not, that would be it. And that's what that was. That was it. It was just a little bit of salt, a little bit of uh, thing here and there. But it wasn't a major part of the story because that wasn't the story that we went to see. Yeah. In this case, it was where the friendship, the uh, money penny effect or, you know, Paul, um, Sherlock Holmes Watson effect is more important and would have been ruined by bringing them actually together. The you know, the little bit, will they, won't they, will they, won't they. Yeah, that, if Sherlock Holmes started kissing Watson, that would have been a problem, I think. No, probably not for you, though. <laughs> <laughs> the sets. Oh, man. Can I just ask you guys that, you know, can I just have Tony Stark's house now? I mean, really. If there was a house I want, 
and I could just conjure it out of a comic book and have it be real? Yeah, pretty much. Except without the hole in the ceiling. Uh, you know, you know just... I gotta say, if I could have the, the hangar and the lab and the lavish mansion, I'll take a hole in the ceiling. I can fix that. <laughs> Especially if you're Tony Stark. Uh, th- that was excellent. The, uh, the cave scenes I thought were very well done. I can't imagine that they actually went into a cave. And so those had to be created sets. The, uh, when Tony is demonstrating his missile system, that whole scene, just awesome, awesome stuff. Really well done. The, uh, the ballroom scenes, him driving his high-end sports car, uh, all of those, all of the scenes, all of the sets that were used in the scenes of the movie were all just stellar. Well, and I think the biggest thing that made them great is that they looked like sets. It looked like somebody took the time to build yeah. it and not, all right, uh, you guys stand in front of the green screen there. We'll take some fi- pictures out in the desert somewhere. And we'll just kind of composite it later. Now, I'm going to laugh when we get the features in on the discs. And the scene we're talking in half it is. might be, but if it is, it was convincing enough it that it didn't bother well me. Yeah, so, no, fine. Totally agreed. The foreign language experience. This is something that we mentioned in the Incredible Hulk review, and we're going to talk about it here as well. Inside of the film, you have what is the bad guys? Yeah, what is the bad guys speaking a foreign language? And I love uh, what we talked about in the, the Incredible Hulk review was the immersion effect, the ability for you to be dipped into what is the atmosphere of the film thanks to what is the foreign language and the subtitles. And I love that because, again, it gives you a little secret segment of something because people are using a language that I don't know any Arabic slash whatever the hell they're speaking. And so I would never know what they're speaking, except that I get the subtitles that tell me what he's saying. And to me, that's a like a little tiny bit of secret knowledge that the filmmakers give to people watching the movie that I think a lot of people miss out on because, oh, son of a bitch, there's the words on the screen again. Try and turn that around and realize that you're capturing a piece of the story that you would never have any idea of what you're watching if the ca- if the subtitles on the screen weren't there. Or you lose realism by making everybody speak English. Right. right. Yeah. Which is another thing we just talked about. What were we talking about in the card? Stargate. We, Stargate. Yeah. yeah. The fact that they can travel across <laughs> the entire galaxy and no matter what To billions society, of worlds, right. Yeah, to no matter what society, ancient society, moved to another world, they all speak English. Right. And it's not the Queen's English. It's just like, <laughs> oh, hello from the Midwest right. someplace. That's great to meet you. And that's really frustrating. And I like that they decided to add that in. It adds a completely another flavor to the movie. Well, especially when you they actually work it into the plot with, with the, the guy translating oh. For him, very well yeah. that worked well because again that's kind of how it would work in real life i yeah. would imagine yeah, so agreed. avoiding politics when it could easily be politic ridden i was so waiting the moment that they established tony stark's firm as you know kind of dealing to both sides and the whole obadiah thing and he was the bad guy well, even when they suggest uh, afghanistan and the right. kid well, throwing up a picture on his, yeah. on his myspace page it would have been so easy to go something like one, I was totally waiting for what was the guns are bad, killing is wrong, all of those crappy platitudes that are so prevalent in movies today. Make and, love, not war. Right. Yeah. But but instead, it was really almost the opposite of that. It was, uh, well, good guys use guns too, they just only shoot at bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and have I, bigger guns. Right. I mean, it, it was a right. really simplistic, uh, simplistic thing, and they didn't get all moralistic on us, and I'm glad they didn't. Well, even going a maybe a step further than that is it's in Afghanistan. I mean, we're talking about Iraq, Afghanistan, and it could have easily turned into a little soap opera about why we shouldn't be over there. Yes. Well, and also, I, in fact, I'm really surprised that they did Afghanistan as opposed to whatever Stan country that they make up like they do so frequently yes. nowadays. Yeah, especially in movies and television shows. Last year's uh, season of 24, 
was a perfect. Yeah, where they have the entire series and you don't know what country. And we actually inside the series, inside the two guys talking to our podcast, we actually called it Whateveristan because they didn't know where the hell it was. It just was this nameless country that had an ambassador and everything that a country would have except of course a name name. right (laughs) and so it was very nice to just see them put him in again someplace real that so that you can have a feel for what's going on and then not bury the entire story inside of what are politically written platitudes it was very nice and of course as everything in life has there's the goods and then there's the bad two guys talking Bad. The end end fight. It, the fight fell short, I think, in my opinion, because rather than having Iron Man go into the battle fully in charge as full hero that he is, they decided to go with the route of making him the underdog by having Stain knock out his power pretty much before he can even get into the armor. And so Tony Stark is fighting with like 12 minutes or 15 minutes supply of power, and he's got to overcome a greater enemy. And so he and, pulls out his Nextel walkie-talkie and yeah. chimes in down the piper to twist right. some knobs so, so, and, and push like, a button. Yeah, like start the self-destruct on the reactor because every, every <laughs> reactor's got that button. You just, oh, turn the key and press the red button and we all die. Yeah. <laughs> and then they turn around and have Stain doing classic villain monologuing. Yeah, uh, he, it's like, I'll kill you. Yeah, first yeah. he says, okay, now that I've beaten you almost to death, but you're still alive and you're still smart and I know how dangerous you can be. I'm going to open up my entire armor <laughs> right. so you, you, so you can see me. who's killing yes. you. Yeah. Which goes to my point saying about them taking off the mask. They, yeah. you know, It fell into what I'd say the, the thing where a lot of the movies with guys who wear masks. In order to have, you know, they lose the mask. Spider-Man lost the mask probably in every movie he was fought. ripped off by some sort of volcanic blast of magma from underneath New York City. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> whatever. You got a good point. I, yeah, I, they, I know why they're doing it. You can't see the facial expressions of the actors with the mask on. So they lose the helmet, so this way you can see their t- facial expressions. However, I really don't think the guy who played Stain's facial expressions added anything to the scene. No. Well, and, and th- that's my, that was my point. We, again, we talked about this in the car. Is The reason that the masks come off have nothing to do with being able to emote. It has everything to do with FaceTime. Right. Jeff Bridges got a whole, like, three minutes of FaceTime. It I, I was literally an hour into the movie before I figured out that was Jeff Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, honestly. So no, you're not alone. It's, to me, it's, I'm so still either. thinking, like, where's Jeff Bridges in that face? Yeah. But yeah. Um, I, one of the other things, to play devil's advocate on the, the fight scene there, uh, I think the reason that Iron Man had less powers, less control going in, is that, realistically speaking, he has a suit that he spent the last how many weeks engineering with state-of-the-art equipment and then you have 10 minutes flight o- time obadiah's like let's weld together this thing that fell out of the sky and exploded into a thousand pieces let's just put it back together so i think i think that scene you know in reality if iron man was a full charge would go basically like this i obadiah will kill you iron man Launches a little missile Little mushroom cloud, roll end credits. <laughs> you yeah. know, so... Well, he did rebuild it, though, because if you remember, he yeah, did add a but... bunch of things onto it, so it wasn't really just re-welded Meh. together. Meh. It, it needed to not be a colloquialism of a comic book fight. And that's what I yeah, think we actually had. The, the, 
there, there wasn't a lot of fighting there. The See, thing, actually, the there was thing more was, like was, taunting was, than fighting. Where was the death? Was there death of Jeff Bridges in that? Yeah. Did he die? He died. He died. Well, Do we, we know he died? He dies. There was the or did he go into the mysterious frozen lake and now we'll never know if he's dead or not uh, see, that, that's that, that is my point about the fight we don't see obadiah half in the robot his other half is out of the robot we don't see anything conclusive that one he's dead now so you uh, want we're, like we're, dismembered torso what <laughs> well, no, I, I want i want either some it's just like with the hulk i want some finality or i don't want the guy uh, breathing but unconscious. So at the you end. want him hauled away in handcuffs or something, something. floating upside down the river, <laughs> right? Because even though he's been defeated, what happens with the army of bots that they've made in the last seventeen hours or whatever? Uh, it was? Yeah, that's true. And so the, the the finality of what is quote the final fight in a movie like this needs to be something way more substantive than what this film was. It's the only negative that I really truly give to this film, but it is definitely a negative. Oh, I agree. I, I think that the the series, and we all know there's going to be more movies. This was incredibly successful. It was planned that way. Yeah. yeah. But I think it would have been better off if the first movie was just Iron Man, you know, Tony Stark becoming Iron Man, fighting the bad guys in Afghanistan, saving the children, etc. And Obadiah's character just grows more sinister. And then what is the end of the movie comes, and we don't really know if Obadiah is good or bad, and you just kind of... All right, we see that. It ends. Yeah. And then the next yeah. movie is Obadiah and the, the epic fight. And that could have been a whole movie and a whole story by itself easily as opposed to the last half hour. And while I can see someone, especially like us, that could stand that as what is a reasonable set of attention span, I think that the filmmakers, including the people at the new Marvel conglomerate, believe that that's too good. That it's too good and that people won't get it because it's not delivered. Okay, here are the little sprinkles and pieces that, it, one, if you're not a comic book fan, you really won't understand. Two, if you are a comic book fan, you're going to expect it in the first film. And so of the people that are going to come to the movies, are we going to expect, A, less comic book fans? Are we going to yeah, expect, B, more comic book fans? And I have to say, there's going to be more comic book fans. But the way that they were able to teeter-totter the movie... They get more fans in general. Sure. You add on Robert Downey Jr., you instantly have more more people from other venues of life. And, and so that's what they took. Those were the two options. And the option they took was to go Common Denominator, which not so strangely most movies do. Sure. I, I liken this a lot to Casino Royale in the sense that you have what is a reasonably realistic but obviously action hero character. Yeah, yeah, You've yeah. got a loosely laid plot that just kind of involves bad guys doing bad things and the good guys got to win. Yeah. But where Casino Royale really didn't resolve most of the plot, it was kind of a cliffhanger, and yet it, if they don't make another one, we don't really care. This movie decided, well, let's just kill the bad guy off in the last five minutes so that we can be done with it. And I think I think we would have been better served if it would have been played out somehow. Whether we know he lives, we know he dies, something that was leading into the next movie that it's... it's Something that happened in this movie yeah. is going to matter in the second one. Yes. As opposed to, I, I let's grab new characters totally. Yes, I would definitely guys. agree with that. Obadiah Stane was more cannon father, though. He was what you were looking for. He was the Iron Man gets to beat ass. Right. Except, see, that's But we could have seen him do he that with did. a terrorist. He didn't, though. He didn't beat ass. No. He did not beat ass. What he did was he called on to Piper. Piper rigs the thing to blow, and he gets caught in the blowback. Yeah. See, that's that, it. Yeah. Yeah. See, that that's was it. where I was going, was going to go with it, was that... Rather than having Iron Man win because he's Iron Man, they basically have to have Iron Man is beaten, and it's Tony Stark intellect who gets help and rigs a trap with yes. Piper's which help. Is actually, which actually makes sense. I mean, which, yeah. is, which is not necessarily a bad way to go because it does play the fact that it makes Tony Stark the underdog in the storyline and where he pulls off a last-minute Hail Mary. But 
I would have liked to have seen maybe a more solid, maybe for the first movie, you see Iron Man having a more solid Iron Man victory. And <laughs> right. Pull off yeah. the He's more human later on. Right. Here is here is the solid Iron Man victory. <laughs> Again, we talked about this on the way back over here. Idiot Jeff Bridges opens up the, the armor. And monologues. And, and monologues. And as he's monologuing, Tony Stark uses the shoulder rockets that he killed those terrorists with earlier in the film to shoot Jeff Bridges in the head and movie roll credits. Right. Now, well, uh, obviously, I don't want to see that either because that is stupid. But that's why it was stupid. Well, actually, why you know what? Why would he open up the, how, why would how he open about up this? the How about this? Uh, Jeff Bridges gives him the monologue. Tony Stark smirks. What an idiot. He goes to launch the shoulder-fired missile... But it's damaged, and it jams. And so Jeff Bridges is like, man, I'm a moron. And he closes the suit, and they go back to fighting. Something. You know, something that at least shows that there's a thought process, rather than, all right, fight, fight, fight. All right, end of round. Let's go to the corners, and then towel guy, and you match, you know, patch up the eyes, and then go back to the fight. Especially <laughs> uh, when you consider that these guys are supposed to be smart. It's right. Like, Obadiah is not supposed to be a... Well, uh, just because you're smart doesn't mean yeah, you can kick some superhero correct. ass. On the other I, hand, I'm though, not, what, let's be that. honest. A, a half hour earlier in the movie, Tony Stark gets hit by a tank shell. He gets hit by a tank shell. He lives. And yet, Obadiah can, like, step on his chest and that's going to destroy him. It, it was definitely a little bit far-fetched. But that's fine. Again, I think we all... Our frustration is more... The simplicity of the fight as opposed to the actual world level. Using Tony Stark's genius, the source of all energy problems solved. I, I admit that if we're going to accept that a person can be a genius and design this incredibly scientific, incredibly technologically advanced armor suit, yeah. that the power source that you know makes his heart keep beating is not that far-fetched. But it kind of is. I think what made it doesn't keep his heart beating. It keeps the, the part, shrapnel the from, from, from which would then stop his heart from beating. Mike, thank you. Get <laughs> uh, <laughs> it right, Mister Comic Book Geek. I didn't kill him. The bullets in the fall killed him. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of what made this movie work for me was a lot of what made Batman Begins work for me, which was that it was mostly, with a few exceptions, very realistic. You can suspend disbelief about some of the physics and yes. some of the effects. Agreed, agreed. And then say, you know what? Given the right circumstances, something like this could happen. What made the beginning of the movie really neat was when you see Tony Stark constructing the original haphazardly constructed Iron Man suit out of parts that he salvages out of old rockets and stuff that the terrorists give him. It was all very novel that he's, you know, cutting out chunks and he makes the the mask and all that stuff out of whatever he finds right up until he builds what is this portable miniature cold fusion reactor or whatever it was out of parts that they just provide him. I would have liked to have seen him escape. It's out of the sharper image catalog, yeah. probably. I, I, I could live with him developing that futuristic technology back at the lab. Fine. But when is it's him in the cave building stuff out of scrap metal, I want to see him just bolt that car battery to the back of that armor. And that's the original Iron Man suit. Rather than him take some wire and some electromagnets and make this little core. I, I think that was the thing that, that, that frustrated me and took me out of the movie, was that part. It didn't ruin it, but it was definitely a little much. That didn't so much bother me, but I can see where you're coming from because they and they could have easily have solved that by basically 
saying that there's one of the parts of the rocket that they had right. that he could is that he could have maybe something that he put peaked. that in there for later when he's abducted by terrorists. Yeah. Well, well, no, well, no, it could have been the power source for the rocket though. Yeah, maybe. That's true. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to him constructing it from scratch in a paperclip. I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're using something that's supposed to be makeshift, it could have been something he could have made using from salvage, some yeah. other piece of Stark technology. Maybe it was a suppository that he had put in his. Uh, <laughs> In his outfit earlier. Speaking of that, how does he get the little cup that it inserts into? Is that like an old bowl or something? No, it's it's a teacup that the terrorists provided him for water. (laughs) Well, I mean, you did. I mean, how deep that pepper sticks her hand all the way down to her elbow. (laughs) She's a small lady, though. It goes through the table and reaches down what's underneath the table. Oh, those are great good and bads. Let's get to a little bit something different, especially with the new Marvel films. We entitled this section. Ties to the Future. Captain America's Shield. Yes, believe it or not, everybody, it looks as though and has been confirmed by the powers that be at Marvel that Captain America's Shield did, for just a remote instant, appear inside of what was the Iron Man film. For anyone who doesn't know what scene we're talking about, there's a scene where Iron Man or Tony is in the suit, he's hanging, you know, the contraption trying to figure out things and pepper walks down the stairs and i think this is the scene where she he says let's face it you've seen me in more compromising positions than this Woohoo! supposedly when if you the camera will flash and on one of his the table behind him is captain america's shield sitting on top of the table Personally, I didn't see it when I flashed through there. It's and- just a dish for chips, folks. It's not Captain America's shield, I'm sure. <laughs> it's got to be something else. Now, the, the fact of the matter, though, is that they're playing that into what I'm assuming is some of the future movie-making that's going to be happening from Marvel very, very soon. If not inside of the Avengers film, that we'll learn that Tony Stark had something to do with what is the revamp of Captain America's shield. I'm assuming that we will. That's exactly what will happen. War Machine. I thought it was interesting how they built up the character of James Rhodes to prepare us for the character of War Machine in a future film, which is something I totally forgot about, having read the comics and seen the series a decade ago, as we established. Uh, at that, Towards the end of the film, they kind of throw a little teaser at you where he walks up and he sees the, the gray Iron Man suit, the, the, the one that before Tony has it painted. Next time, which of course, baby. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, yeah, but he basically looks at it, you know, maybe next time. And it's one of those asides where he's obviously just talking to the camera and there's nobody there listening <laughs> right, to him. Right, right. Uh, and for those who don't know, War Machine is a gray right. version of the Iron Man armor with a few more weapons built into it. Right. Which, again, perfect for this. That oh. they're using because it was a black guy. Well, <sighs> Sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and whether they actually move into what is the War Machine story in the future Doubtful. series, I doubt it. I'm sure it's going to be Iron Man's damage. He's hurt. He's kidnapped. He's out of power. And War Machine comes to save the day and roll credits. I, I don't think they're going to do a whole you know big deal out of it. Unless, of course, it becomes part of the Avengers movie. And then you never know. But uh, I think that there's lots of little tidbits in the, this movie, whether it be the War Machine, the obvious mention of S.H.I.E.L.D. later on, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, to the cameo of Samuel L. Jackson's yeah. after the credits. But obviously, this entire movie was definitely set up to build what are future movies. And that's something that I've heard a lot of criticism from by people I talk to, that the whole movie was just trying to sell other movies. But no, I think it was subtle enough that if you weren't looking for it or if you didn't understand the reference, it didn't ruin anything. It totally worked. Mandarin and the Ten Rings. Well, talking about a reference that we were talking about that probably most people aren't going to catch who aren't comic book fans, 
The terrorist organization that captured Tony in the very beginning was called the Ten Rings. You saw the head guy in there, he was wearing a ring. This all plays into one of Iron Man's main villain in comic books is a character called the Mandarin, who um, is a politically incorrect character nowadays. Um, (laughs) And he has ten rings, which have each ring has a different ability. And I don't know how they're going to play it, but it looks like... By your powers combined, I am Captain Planet. Sorry. (laughs) Well, that I was going to say, and when do the hobbits appear? When they're going to take the the rings back to Mount Doom? Yeah. Yeah, Let's face it, rings are used over and over Agreed. and over Agreed. and over again in comic books. And it's a circle. With, yeah. yeah. It's a circle. Yeah. But it looks like they're hitting in that Iron Man's main villain has been, since the very beginning, is Mandarin. And it looks like they are hinting at that the Ten Circles is probably Mandarin's group, and this is probably leading into what could be Iron Man 2. Yes, very well said, and great input for what is a new segment, Ties to the Future. Two guys talking... And so we come to the part where we rate the movies. I will give Iron Man, starring Robert Downey, directed by Jon Favreau, 2008, five giant stars. An outstanding insert. Well, I'm going to break the rules again, Mike, and I'm going to give it a solid 4.5 stars. <laughs> I think okay, it- so Tony has no opinion. Kip, how about no. you? I agree with you, Mike. I'm going to give it a five. Yeah, I... Point zero. <laughs> The only reason to not give this a five is because you want to see something better in the future, which I don't have a problem with. No, I I would say what is the slightly weak ending was just enough that I can't say it was perfect. Other than that, everything else I can get over. So, 4.5. Very, very close, though. I got to say there's very... So, a 4 for Tony. 4.75. There you go. Honestly, we need to make these these out of 10, Mike, because 9 out of 10, an awful lot closer to what I'm thinking than 4.5 out of 5. Nice man. Whatever that's worth. Good. So a four. Four for Tony. (laughs) Five for Mike. And of course, the big shining five for Kip. For this review of Iron Man, a summer feature film, 2008, directed by Jon Favreau, starring Robert Downey Jr. And so we come to the close of yet another Two Guys Talking feature film review. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. I'm Tony Lovasco, your other host. And I'm Kip Lewis, the visiting host. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Two Guys Talking Show. We hope you'll tell your friends and co-workers about us, and don't forget to put us on your podcast list. As always, you can visit and contact us online at twoguystalking.com. That's the number two, guystalking.com. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.